If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me one last time to the book of Revelation as we close out our series, The End. This is actually a two-part series. Uh, We spent a number of weeks back in 2013 looking at the beginning. We looked at the first 12 chapters of Genesis together, and then we have skipped over to the end. And so we have walked through the epistle, the letter of Revelation, and we find ourselves coming to the last vision that John had and that he records for us in Revelation. Revelation chapter 21, starting in verse 9, down through the end of the book. We read these verses for us. As I read them, I want for you to see the imagery, see the pictures that John is recording for us. Think about them because he is going to describe for us a great city. He is going to describe for us in that city a number of provisions that are, be, that are going to be given to you and to me for all the saints, all the believers, all the disciples, the followers of Christ. And then he ends just as he began describing Jesus Christ. So let me read these verses for us and look at them for just a few moments. Revelation 21, starting in verse 9, stated this. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels. And on the gates the name of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. And on the east, three gates. And on the north, three gates. And on the south, three gates. And on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations. And on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. The city lies four square, its length the same as its width. And he measured the city with his rod, 12,000 stadia. Its length and width and height are equal. He also measured its wall, 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. The wall was built of jasper while the city was pure gold, clear as glass, The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth uh, chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl, 
and the street of the city was pure gold, transparent as glass. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will all will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, brightest crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit yielding fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And His servants will worship Him. They will see His face and His name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun. For the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. And He said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets has seen, excuse me, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers and the prophets and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book. For the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil. And the filthy still be filthy. And the righteous still do right. And the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon. Bringing my recompense with me. To repay everyone for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The first and the last. The beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. 
Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life in the holy city which are described in this book. He who testifies these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Father, I bow and I ask that as we spend these moments, Father, you would speak to our hearts from your word. God, you would impress upon me, you would impress upon us that what We are about day to day, moment by moment. Father, it would be pleasing to you for those days and those moments add up to our lives. God, we want our lives. I want my life to be pleasing to you. What a picture, Father, of the days to come. What a picture of what you are preparing for us, what you have done for us, and where we will spend our eternity if we know you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I ask that you would use this time, that you would use me to speak your word to your church. In Christ's name, amen. What a picture. Three points for us this morning as we look at what I've entitled the end. It's really just the beginning. The end. The end is as we know it. The end of of human history out in the future that has been written for us to take part in, for us to see. We See first and foremost that this resplendent city that is our heavenly home is shown to us. This resplendent city, you say, what in the world does resplendent mean, Brian? It means magnificent, grand, great, awesome, majestic city is shown for the first time. God creates a new heaven And a new earth there at the beginning of chapter 21. And a part of that creation is this new Jerusalem that is coming down out of heaven. And there are dimensions that are given. And those dimensions are colossal. One city. 12,000 stadia. My translation, stadia. I don't know about you, but I don't go by stadia very often. But here is what I do go by. I do go by miles. 12,000 stadia, roughly 1,400 miles. 1,380 miles. 1,400 miles. You say, Brian, give me a little better description, okay? Well, it's 1,400 miles by 1,400 miles, width 
length the same, and then the height of it is 1,400 miles as well. So this city goes roughly from New York City to Montana, down to Mexico City, over to Miami, and back up to New York City, and that's the base. And then it goes 1,400 miles upward. Pretty big city. The city is coming out of heaven. The new Jerusalem is coming down and God shows John. He takes him up on a high mountain and he shows him this huge, vast, glorious city. He says, that's the home. I'm not a mathematician. I should have asked a couple of folks to do this math, but... I roughly say that there are some 30 billion people that have lived on the face of the earth. Maybe a little more, maybe a couple of less. Let's just say 30 billion people. Jesus tells us in Matthew that uh, broad is the way to destruction and narrow is the way to life. One third, 10 billion people that have ever walked on the face of the earth saved. My guess is probably a little high, but if that's the case, 10 billion people are going to be housed in this city. 1,400 miles by 1,400 miles by 1,400 miles. If, I don't know if they're going to be levels or not. It's not stated they're going to be levels. A number of commentators have stated there are going to be levels to this new city. If there are levels, if there were one level every two miles in this city, 1,400 miles by 1,400 miles by 1,400 miles, every two miles, on those levels there would be some 14 million people. For 1,400 miles. Do you think you could have a little acreage somewhere in there? I don't know how many square acreage. I, the last time I did the math, I think it was some 25, maybe 35 square acres that every single person could have. But that wasn't at two miles. That was at like half a mile a level. So, the city's big. The city is coming down out of heaven. And that city is created for you and for me as followers of Christ. And it is described for us over and over right here in these verses. As he says, here is a picture of the bride. Here is a picture of the city where the bride is going to be there. And The glory of God coming out of heaven. It's radiance like the most rare jewel, like a jasper. It's it's clear as crystal. And this city, 1,400 by 1,400 by 1,400, has 12 gates. 12 on the west side of the city, 12 on the north side of the city, 12 on the east side, excuse me, Three on the on the west, three on the north, three on the east, and three on the south. Can y'all take that out of the tape just a little bit? Getting ahead of myself. 
12 gates, three on each side. As they're there, there are 12 foundations on this city. Those 12 foundations are the 12 different stones I read. And on each one of those, there is one of the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Above the gates, there are the 12 tribes. At the gate, that gate consists of one jewel, one pearl. Each gate consists of one pearl. You and I will spend eternity, eternity as this our home. Not only do we see the city, but if you look a little later in chapter 21 and the first part of chapter 22, you see provisions. Provisions for all the saints are realized. They're they're revealed what these provisions are going to be. The first is that he didn't see a temple because God and the Lamb are the temple. Second, the city had no need of a sun or a moon because God and the Lamb were its light and there was no night. We already saw last week that there's no longer any sea on this new earth, this new heaven. The gates don't close because there's no need of it. There's nothing that will enter into this that is unclean only way that a person, only way that anything can enter into this place, only way that a human can enter into this city is if his or her name is written in the book. There's a river of life. There's a a tree of life. That tree of life is on both sides of the river. The river is crystal clear and it is flowing through this city. There, On the one side is the tree of life. On the other side of the river is the tree of life. And there for 12 months out of every year, every single month, there is the fruit of the tree of life. You see, one of the reasons I entitled it as the end, it's really just the beginning because, n- number one, and we will spend some time in just a moment talking about Jesus. He is the main character throughout all of Scripture, throughout all of the book of Revelation. He is the main character. And I've tried time in and time again to get us to focus in on Him and not on when's He coming, when's the rapture, when is this tribulation or that tribulation. It is all about Jesus. And it is the beginning and the end. He is the Alpha and the Omega. But also... This end takes us all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Full circle, right here. What God created in the beginning, that garden, and in the center of the garden, that tree that was named the tree of life, is here. In heaven, the new heaven, the new Jerusalem. And it is flowering. It is bringing forth its fruit each and every month. It is there for you and for me, all believers, to come and take part. Provisions of all the saints 
are realized. The angel showed me this river, the water of life. He said to me, verse 6 of chapter 22, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent His angel to show His servants what must soon take place. These things are quickly coming to take place. These things, the things that he is writing about, the things that John is seeing, the things that the angels are speaking of to him, are coming. Third and finally this morning, not only do we see that this city, it's our new home and that these provisions are given to us, but finally I want us to spend just a few moments on this fact. God alone. God alone. River Bend, God alone is to be worshipped. If you look in verse 8, Something happens to John. John is there and there. this vision, is, he's taken up in the spirit onto a high mountain. He sees this great city. He sees all these provisions provided for the saints. There's an angel and then Jesus interjects into verse number 7. He says, I am coming soon. Then in verse 8, he falls down at the sight of all these things and he starts to worship an angel. not the first time that this has happened with John, okay? A couple weeks ago in chapter 19, verses 9 and 10, John was just overwhelmed by what was going on, by what the angel was showing him, and he fell down and he worshipped the angel. And the angel said, do not do that. Worship God. Our day, our culture, our world is inundated toward us, has inundated us with all types of things to worship. Yesterday, I sat in Tad Smith Coliseum, and uh, I took Nathan, who loves the Florida Gators. Do the chomp. There you go. Uh, he loves them, and, and so we went there, and I sat. And I watched some seven, 8,000 people dressed in red and blue or blue and orange yelling for their team. And about halfway through, as Nathan was yelling for the Gators, and I was grateful that no one harassed him, that there were Gators around us. We were up in the nosebleed section, that's why. But um, we were there, and he was doing the chomp, and he, he, he was all in. To that, and I just looked around and I thought, you know what? We are here and we're cheering for this team or that team. Cheering for a three pointer or a dunk or a stop or whatever. Yelling at the ref because they were not calling right. And I asked Nathan, I said, Nathan, you know, a couple weeks from now, I'm going to go see North Carolina play, which is my favorite team. And I asked him, I said, do you think I'm going to be this quiet? 
He said, no. <laughs> and he's right. When, when I go to watch them play, I, I'm going to yell because they're my favorite team. But also, it made me think about this passage. And maybe you and I find ourselves worshiping something other than God. Here, John found himself worshiping, bowing down to an angel. What is an angel? An angel is a created being. And he told John that. He said, John, don't do that. I am a servant just like you. I am a created being just like you. Do not worship me. Worship God. You and I find ourselves not worshiping necessarily, more than likely, a creation of God. But we find ourselves worshiping inanimate objects. Something that has an apple on it. A piece of technology. A television. A show. The angel would say to you and say to me, Worship God. An angel is a messenger. He is sent, as Jesus states later in this passage, he says, I have sent, verse 16, I have sent my angel to testify to you. I sent this messenger for a job, for a task, and he did it. That's all an angel is. I was... This week, perusing over a uh, book by Billy Graham, he wrote back in the 70s, I think, maybe the 80s, about angels, and uh, looked at all the different sections there, and he drew out a couple of of verses that I want to look at. In Romans chapter 1, Paul wrote to the people at Rome, and he said this concerning Angels. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And they worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Paul wrote that and he stated. These people, God God said, all right, if that's what you want, go for it. And he gave them over to themselves. And they said, whatever your mind can comprehend, whatever you want to chase after, have at it. And isn't that what's happening in our world today? And we're just going. And we're worshiping the creature or creation instead of the creator. Revelation chapter 19, 9 and 10 alluded to it just a moment ago where John fell down and he worshipped the angel. And then Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 states this in verse number 18. Paul writes to the folks at Colossae and he says these words. Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism. That's self-discipline. That's like putting you under strict orders of these do's and these don'ts. Don't let anybody do that. Or the worship of angels. Going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head. That's Christ. 
And then verse 23. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom. So if, if somebody is there and they are making you look at this asceticism and it's strict discipline, self-discipline there, they, they have a tendency on the outside to look like it's wisdom or it's wise in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body. But they are of no value. The worship of angels is of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. It's in no value to help you in any way, shape, form, or fashion to get or be in a better standing with God. Don't do it. Worship God. Why should we worship God? Well, let me close out in these verses and just read for you Jesus' words. The reason you and I should worship God, the reason that you and I should go back to the beginning and look is because of these words. I am coming soon. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. Surely. I'm coming soon. Ma'am, he is coming soon. We don't know when that is going to happen. We we don't know if it's going to be before the end of the day. We don't know if it's going to be before the end of this decade, the end of this century. But you and I can know this. He is coming soon. He's the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha, the Omega. He has promised in this word, His word, that He is coming. The question for you, sir, the question for me, the question for us, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for His return? Have you stated with your words, with your tongue, with your position? Have you bowed the knee? Have you confessed with your mouth that He is Lord? That He is your Savior? He is coming. The attention of all of the book of Revelation is to be focused Not on what happens, not on when it happens, but on Him. For He is coming. And if you're not ready for His coming, you will spend eternity, eternity, away from. And for those of us that have bent the knee, have bowed the knee, have confessed with our mouth that He is Lord, He will enter us into all of those things 
that we have spoken about for the past three plus months. But that's not the focus. The focus is, where are you? And if you know where you are and you're standing with Him, I pray that your thoughts were somewhat like my thoughts. And I started thinking about the people that I met this past week, just in passing. Was she ready? Was he ready? Was that lady that I talked to on the telephone about an order that I placed that didn't get here? Was she ready? Well, my words to her in such a way that it would lead her to be ready if she were not ready. Are your coworkers ready? Are your sons and daughters ready? Are your neighbors ready? Heavenly Father, I bow before you and I thank you that you are coming. Father, that in your coming, the great things of all the nations will be ushered in. Father, provisions for us, the saints, the the believers, the followers of yours, we will see things, Father, that right now our minds can't even comprehend. We can't even grasp the sight. that our eyes are going to see. But Father, we're going to see them because we are yours and you are coming. And you are coming soon. Father, would that be burnt on my eyes? Would that be burnt in my mind? You're coming. If you're here today and You don't know if you're prepared or not, if you're ready or not. You don't know if you have ever bowed the knee, you've ever asked Christ to come in to your life. The invitation is for you. It's for you to to come today. For you to see Him, not just as a historical figure of 2,000 years ago, but of your personal Lord and Savior. If you do know Christ today, the invitation is for you. But the invitation for you is a reminder of what He has done, of who He is, of what He desires to do in us and through us today. Not next week, not next month, but today. Future days. The altar is open. Maybe you need to come and you just need to bow down. You need to talk with Him. Maybe you're here today and you're looking for a church home. Come and talk to me. I'll share with you about River Bend and how we can start that journey. You obey. Father, I desire that we would obey You as we have turned our focus toward our hearts, our minds. Where are we? right now? Where do we stand with you?
show us. In Christ's name, amen. Stand and you sing this morning.